Hello and welcome back to the One Foot Down Podcast. This is our 37th episode. I am Eric Murtaugh, your host once again. With me today we have Brendan, and we are still celebrating this past weekend's 31-0 <laughs> shutout victory over Michigan. Brendan, how you doing about four days uh, later? Uh, I'm, I'm great, and you know, um, Michigan still hasn't scored, so yeah, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> it took us four days to get this podcast going, so you know we're really... <laughs> Partying that hard and celebrating that hard. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was basking in the glow for quite a You know, the team might have a 24-hour rule. I don't. So. Yeah, that's right. We don't have to actually yeah. suit up this weekend, yeah. so that's good yeah. for us. Yeah. So um, how about some, uh, some you know, high-level thoughts from the, the win over Michigan? What, what stuck out to you? What did you take away? What was important to you? Well, um I was uh, very impressed. Obviously, we saw a different Golson from the last time he faced Michigan. Yeah. That, that was a huge difference, right? Um, it looked – I was a little bit nervous in the beginning because, you know, when Mayock, Mayock was talking about his eyes when he called the timeout, and he looked, yeah. again, like maybe we are going to see some of that same guy. Yeah, we um, saw that. But, uh, but definitely he got it under control and, and was back to the new and improved Golson pretty quickly. I think the big takeaway – um, even beyond the shutout, had they given up zero or three or seven, it wouldn't have mattered. The same take it boy would be that the defense looked very good, better than we expect. And uh, to see a lot of young guys contributing the way they did was really interesting, really exciting. Now, before we get into maybe some of the more uh, Notre Dame side of things, just briefly, what some thoughts on Michigan. Um, do you think they played better than the score indicates, I think, about right. What do you um, see? I think, well, I mean, you know, they did miss two field goals, right? So potentially they could have had at least six if that was perfect. Mm-hmm. But I, does that really change <laughs> anything too much? I think, you know, the, there's some talk on their side, on, you know, the Internet world about the they outgained us by nine yards or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, if you look beyond that at available yards, um, we actually hammered them. I think, and, and especially in meaningful game time, we gained something like 69% of available yards, which is excellent. And at the same time, we gave up somewhere around 30%, which is dominant defensively. So, mm-hmm. you know, however many total yards they may have gained, they, they didn't gain effective yards, you know. And yeah. uh, I think certainly early on, I was a little more concerned, but then it seemed like for uh, once both sides of the ball settled in for us, it was just, I, I think the score is very reflective of what, what happened. Yeah, outside of their first drive when they actually seemed to be grabbing the momentum early, it didn't really seem like they were really in the game a whole lot. I, right. I thought maybe there was a couple drives in the second half where, uh, and I wrote this in my review, that you know you could kind of feel maybe some 2011 creeping in um, they moved the ball on the on the drive where uh, Gardner fumbled. I thought you know they could be yeah. grabbing a little bit of momentum on that right. drive, but right. not not really. I mean that's probably our the Notre Dame fan in us. Right. Yeah. Worst. We expect the worst definitely. Yeah, yeah. But, they they had problems I think stringing plays together. You know, so you'd see a, a hit to Funchess every once in a while, and, and that was kind of it. You know, or a nice scramble, and then kind of nothing came off it. Um, they had. Four punts. They had, I think, four turnovers, right? Three picks in the fumble. fumble. They had uh, a turnover on downs and the two missed field goals. So, uh, I mean, to me, that's 
that's a pretty dominant defensive performance. So you already talked about Golston, how he settled down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, some more thoughts on EG and what you thought of his performance. Uh, it was some of the throws he made, I mean, that one scramble right where he hit Carlisle on the sideline, that that's unbelievable. Um, you know, people talk about guys making an NFL throw, you know, on the deep out or something like that. That I don't even know how many guys in the in the NFL can make that throw, and I'm not trying to hype him too much. He definitely has a lot of room for improvement. But just talking about his natural ability, he, the guy throws it into a three by three window on the run from 25 yards. That's pretty impressive. Um, I, I think we just see him managing the game better. You know, um, you see him using the whole field more. I thought it really stood out that he took some shots um, over the middle which he almost looked like he wasn't allowed to do in 2012. Right. Uh, and he, I think, you know, I don't know if, I'm sure part of it is his time with Whitfield. I'm sure part of it is his time on his own and just maturing and, of course, working with the Notre Dame staff too. But he he's just at another level, I think, mentally. And you're really seeing what he can do on the field when he puts the two, the physical talent and the mental recognition together. Now the one kind of negative takeaway from this game was the rushing performance. Uh, yeah. Cam McDaniel, 3.1 yards. Bryant, 2.4. Folston, 1.9. Pretty ugly. None of them went over. They all had a long carry of six yards, nothing longer than that. It's pretty uh, old-school rushing performance. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, that one, you know, you wish it would be better, but from what I've read, and, you know, I'm not advanced enough to have picked up on this during the game myself, but... Madison apparently was uh, running a ton of run blitzes at us even after they were getting torched in the air. Um, so we were content apparently to to hand the ball off to keep them honest with that, but no, knowing it wasn't going to go anywhere. But, I, I, you know, it's hard to complain about a guy going for um, whatever it ended up being. Hang on. Ten yards per completion, you know. Yeah. Um, and even at that, I, th- I think it worked out to almost seven per attempt, which is kind of okay, but he had some that he threw away, you know, wisely, um, and a few drops too. So, you know, if they're going to, like the BYU game, I think was it in 06 when Quinn threw for six touchdowns, right? Um, they, they were selling out on the run. Why not throw? Yeah, and so, it kind of felt like a, a, a pretty ugly game. You know, they Stayed with the run at least I thought, and it was it brought a lot of balance and gave Colson some time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had um, uh, three three listed carries by Golson. I think one of them was a sack, um, and then the kneel down. But aside from that, 27 runs against 34 passes. So it wasn't like crazy out of balance. It wasn't like Mike Leach numbers, you know. Um, so I think Kelly was happy to just keep poking and poking and say, okay, you want to stop that? We'll do this, and good luck to you. Right. So let's take a look at the receivers. Who are you more excited about right now, Will Fuller or Amir <laughs> Carlisle? Uh, that's a tough call. I'll tell you, um, I le- I love what Fuller's doing, and I, I don't know, flip a coin, man, but I, I would go with Carlisle because it's just a presence that we haven't had in the slot in yeah. Kelly's system to this point. You know, I love Riddick, but he was nowhere near as fast as Carlisle. Um, same for Toma, you know. They were dependable guys, and dependable guys, I love them, but, you know, they don't 
They don't stretch defense. They don't give a defense constraint problems. Um, so to see Carlisle emerge, and it's also great to see, you know, he had so much trouble last year, and to see him turn it around. I know we're only two games in, but he certainly looks like a different player. Um, so it's great to see. He obviously put a lot of work in, um, and it's great to see that pay off for him. Uh, before the opener against Rice, we saw Corey Robinson have a pin placed in one of his hands. I believe he has a little bit of a cast on there. Only two catches through two games. Um, concern level there? Um, maybe a little. You know, I, I, when I heard that, I said, how does this guy get a pin in his thumb on Tuesday and play on Saturday or whatever it was? Right. You know, but uh, sounds crazy. He said it doesn't bother him, so I, you know, I guess I'll believe him. Um, I don't know. I think... I, you know, I get the sense with Kelly's offense, it's going to be different guys every week, you know. And when certain matchups favor things, like in this case, for whatever reason, well, first of all, Fuller was just abusing Countess. Yeah. And for whatever reason, they never changed the defensive game plan on, on that matchup. But then Carlisle also was able to find a lot of space. So those were the two guys who went off. You know, maybe some other game where Carlisle, where Fuller is getting pressed more effectively then, you know, Robinson will become the possession guy. I don't know. But uh, he did draw um, a PI against Michigan, too. Right, an end zone PI. Yeah, um, he did. So, so I don't I think, you know, he's one of those guys that he's, uh, he's going to find spots to contribute more than be, you know, like a dominant number one receiver. Yeah. At least at this point. I mean, he's still a sophomore, right? So. Um, we didn't really see a whole lot of Ben Koyak. I think he had one catch and... Um, tipped another one that was actually a good play on his part to possibly avoid an interception. Yeah, yeah, one of Golson's mistakes, yeah. What do you think? Is he kind of upholding the tradition so far? I mean, it's pretty early. I think so. I think, you know, he, uh, well, we saw great things from him, I think, in the second half of last year, right? Mm -hmm. um, he started to emerge a little bit. Um, especially, I think we saw some signs of him starting to understand his the blocking side of it more. Uh, and this year, I think, I'm not positive, but I think he's been uh, attached more, and he's been doing more blocking and uh, has been effective at it. So, you know, I, I think it's uh, he'll continue to develop that way. Because um, part of it, you know, part of our tight end U thing, of course, is we're generating these great tight ends, but I think also they've pretty much all been two-way tight ends, you know? Yeah. Like, we don't have you know, the Funches type who's a glorified receiver, and it's not to knock him. He's good at what he does. But um, they're all guys who are able to do both phases, and I think that was a struggle early for Koyak, and we're seeing him do some more of that now. Mm -hmm. um, I think you definitely see Golson has a trust level with him, so I'm sure he'll get his chances too. Yeah, I'd like to see him in the open field a little bit more. It seems like most of the balls he catches, he doesn't really get a chance to run a hole. Yeah, yeah, and I think for his size, I think he has some pretty good speed. Yeah. You know? um, so, yeah, I agree. So the offensive line, we know the, the rushing numbers were pretty pretty bad. Um, <laughs> pass blocking's been, I mean, not maybe not as great as last year, but still pretty good. <laughs> yeah, you know, considering that we lost, uh, was Watt second or third? Watt was second round, I think, right? Or maybe third round. But in early. any case, a first and third round pick. Um you know, and they played next to each other. The, the left side of the line is now playing in the NFL. 
Um, you know, that's pretty impressive. And some guys had to shuffle, some new guys had to come in. You know, Stanley flipped sides, right? Elmer moved from guard to tackle. Um, and to see, you know, in the second game, I thought they were pretty good. I thought, you know, Michigan's defensive line is probably um, somewhat decent, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And for them to come together like that early on and show some some solid pass protection was encouraging. I mean, they did have some breakdowns, but that's where it's uh, advantageous to go from Reese to Golson. <laughs> um, what about our defensive line? It, it could probably make the case that at defensive end, we really haven't had a ton of production. But other than that, it seems like you know about as good as could be expected this year so far from that whole unit. Yeah, you know, it's interesting to, to see them, um, I don't know if develop is the right word, but to see them perform, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's a very different, uh, different unit from last year to this year in that last year you had very defined roles for a handful of guys, and those were the guys who had to get it done. Yeah. Right? Whether it was Tewitt and Day and Nix and, um, you know, throw Schwenke in there. And then later in the season, of course, Jones. But this year, you know, with the way – I think it's partly Van Gorder's approach and partly it's necessity, but there's a lot more uh, packages, specialists, you know, a guy like Colin Hill – um, who had a huge impact in this game in a small amount of time on the field. You know, he's not a guy that could be a DN three downs, right? Um, you could run right over him. But we obviously saw uh, with the sack and then when he chased Gardner down out wide, you see what he can do um, in the right setting. So it's interesting to see how all the, the pieces, all the chess pieces kind of fit into the puzzle here. I'm mixing my metaphors there. My English teacher <laughs> would be very upset with me. But... Um, yeah, I think, you know, it's probably also as, you know, I don't want to sound too, get into too much hyperbole, but one of the, early on, it looks like it might be one of the more athletic units I've seen. You know, there's a lot of yeah. guys with a lot of speed, a lot of quickness, and that's fun to watch. Yeah, you remember back in spring ball, uh, everyone was freaking about middle linebacker. Not so much now with Joe Schmidt and his performance. <laughs> Kind of start a whole script. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's looked great in the the first two games. Obviously, the forced fumble was huge, um, and uh, I don't remember the exact play, but he had a huge hit against Rice too. Um, which, of course, you know, he is a little undersized, so you wonder how he's going to hold up physically. Um, still, maybe would not be the best guy when we get against a power running team, but we really only played one of them this year. Um, in, in Stanford. So I, I think it's really interesting. And certainly, you know, when you hear him talk, you know, he's a, he, you can tell that he's a team leader, that he's a smart guy. Um, on the sideline, guys seem to react to him, you know, so he, he certainly has a presence and uh, I, you know, it's good for him, man. It's a, it's a big um, feather for him and for Kelly that this guy developed out of the walk-on program, you know? Mm-hmm. I have a I have a question for you. Um, if you can get eighty percent of the performances we saw out of Max Redfield, uh, Matthias Harley, <laughs> and Elijah Shoemate, if we can get that eighty percent of the performance we saw this past weekend for the rest of the season, does this defense really kind of take the next step into uh, you know not just 
having maybe a decent season under a first-year defensive coordinator, but actually being a good or possibly great defense? Hmm. That's an interesting question. It's not where I thought you were going. I'll get back to that in a minute. But, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, a lot, I think, is going to rest on Redfield especially. Mm. Um, I I think, because I think he's going to be charged with playing center field, you know. Yeah. And if he he has to be up to that. And if he isn't, I think we're going to be very vulnerable, deep middle, and that's obviously a bad spot to be vulnerable. Um, Early on, he's looked great. You know, I'm sure he's made some mental mistakes. I haven't noticed them, but he he looks the part um, for sure. You know, Shoemate, he's one of those guys that has every physical ability in the world, and you wait for him to put it together. It's easy to forget. I mean, he's in the second game of his junior year, you know. Um, he played a lot in 2012, and he played some last year. But, you know, he, he is still a developing guy. Um, so if we what we saw at him, not, not just against Michigan, but really uh, the second half of Rice once he got acclimated um, to having to be the emergency starter, if, if that's really the strike he's made into this year, um, then just from the safety position, I'm, I'm counting Farley as kind of a nickel corner whatever he's right. doing. <laughs> but um, if those two guys, and we don't know how long Austin Collinsworth is going to be out either. Mm-hmm. Um, so if those two guys can really take that next level, because we physically they can run with anybody, right? And, and, and Ben Corder can have that extra level of trust in the secondary. I mean, hey, it's going to be fun. You know? Yeah, did they? Oh, yeah, continue. No, I was going to say Farley. I didn't mean to leave him out, but he looks like a different guy this year. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever specific changes and responsibilities he had and whatever maybe uh, – I don't want to imply he wasn't working hard enough. That's not what I mean. But like like rededication, you know, recentering himself. Yeah. Whatever he did certainly seems to have worked. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, um, he's physical. He's He's being a leader with guys too. Um, and I think the role that he's been plugged into is just looks like it just works for him. Yeah. Um, yeah I was going to so, say, was Shoemate uh, officially credited with the interception following the game? Because it's showing up as a pick now. Yeah. The, I, well, official I, you know, I heard someone say um, the day of the game that he wasn't. But then mm, I checked I the box score a day or two later, and he is. I don't, um, yeah, I don't think he it was there Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Per the um, rule. The penalty was after the interception, so he right. should have been credited with it. Um, you know, I, I think usually on a change of possession, if the penalty's after the change, then the change stands. You know. Right. They were on fourth down, I think, so either way we would have had the ball. But anyway. He should have been credited with six points too. Uh, you know. Yeah. What are you gonna do? He's got the interception, I guess. So. Yeah. yeah. He Anything scored in our hearts, so that's fine. Yeah. Anything else from the Michigan game? Um. Well, quick. The the way I thought you were going with that. Okay. Yeah. What were you about Shoemate and Redfield? Was um, if they put it together, mm-hmm. then when Austin Collinsworth is ready, will he come back to a starting role? Oh yeah. I've heard that um, question out there. Yeah, yeah, and that's an interesting question. I mean, my my gut would be that he will. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, because they talked about him obviously preseason as the quarterback of the secondary, and it's a big responsibility. It's tough to take that kind of mental ability and sit him on the bench. Right. Um, I, I wonder if it would be matchup dependent too. You know, mm-hmm. I think we've seen um, at certain, not so much at safety so far, but at certain position uh, positions, excuse me, um, we've seen that starting doesn't really matter too much to Kelly, right? I think uh, TJ Jones started something like seven games last year, mm-hmm. and he was clearly our best receiver. Right? Um, so, you know, depending on matchups, he might shuffle guys around or whatever. So I think um, whoever technically may start from one game to the next, I think Collinsworth is still going to have uh, a big role when he comes back. Oh, yeah. I would, I mean... They'll probably shuffle guys a little bit, but I would lock that up. Uh, Collinsworth yeah. will definitely play the bulk, I think. You just yeah. don't – I don't know. Yeah. That, that's with it with most coaches. You usually – and with Kelly especially, guys get injured, they come back, and they usually will reclaim yeah. their starting spot, yeah. especially so, with him being a captain and yeah. everything. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens with Jared Grace. If yeah. he can get healthy this year, and if Schmidt keeps playing at this level, what do you do? But – yeah, it didn't seem too optimistic in his Tuesday presser. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it's kind of starting to drag out. Maybe that's a sign that it's not going to happen. But mm. Yeah. Um, it's been a while since we've talked about the uh, suspended five players. Still no update <laughs> on that front. The you marooned think, five. <laughs> you think we're any, you know, after the bye week, you think this is when we're going to finally I don't know. I mean, we had Kelly... Uh, on Rome today saying he thinks it's close, but then again, he's been saying that for two weeks. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've heard a lot of different theories. I've heard, you know, appeals are ongoing. I've heard that maybe students, not just players, but students, are getting individual hearings Mm. uh, in whatever, either order, either arbitrary or alphabetical or whatever, and it might just take a while to get through all of them. Um, I honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> um, what? What's that? I think it's going to be, you know, I just imagine a situation where this defense is playing amazing this year, and then here comes Russell and Ishak, and and, yep. and you wonder what that's going to do to the the chemistry that the team has built up without them. Yeah, yeah. It would be some sort of bizarre world where. <laughs> Russell comes back, and now we kind of lost something in the secondary. And... Right, right. Well, it's interesting because, you know, you have Russell and Hardy too, right? Right, yep. And And the guy who both have played well. Obviously, Russell was a freshman All-American. You know, he's phenomenal. Um, and Hardy, in limited action last year, played very well. So, you know, but while they're out, the guys that are playing are playing really well. Obviously, Riggs has been great. Cole Luke has been very good. Mm-hmm. Um even beyond, you know, he could cover last year already as a freshman, but he's being physical this year. Um, you know, and then you have Farley also contributing at corner and the nickel, and he's doing a great job. And then in the secondary, even missing Collinsworth, you have Redfield and Shoemate and are doing well. Barati's gotten some spot uh, duty. So all this mix is, you know, like you say, it's working. But then the guys you're going to get back are pretty good. <laughs> That's true. So, you know, you, you can't get – maybe Hardy is the easier guy, you know, to assimilate because he, he was a backup last year, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's we have bodies at safety, but we have fewer than we do at corner, which is kind of a weird situation for Notre Dame. But, um, you know, what do you do when you get Russell back, right? Do you, do you Russell, do you, Riggs has to stay on the field the way he played and the experience he has. So then who's the odd man out? Is it Luke or Farley in the nickel mm-hmm. defense, you know? Major question. Somebody's going to somebody's gonna lose snaps, and, you know, what's that going to do? Yeah, assuming yeah. they come back, obviously. Yeah. Now, yeah. What about the other side of the ball? You know, Coy Robinson is dealing with his injury. Chris Brown was supposed to blow up. He hasn't exactly blown up. Does Daniels come back and even get that much playing time right away? Uh, I mean, I don't – I think he would uh, – right now, I mean, Brown was the presumptive number one before the season started, right? But I think right now Brown is probably the guy who would go to the bench, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, the way Fuller's playing, I, I can't imagine sitting him. Um, I think probably C.J. Procise might be in severe danger of losing some minutes. You know, um, Torrey Hunter might be ready to come back soon. Uh, apparently there's reports that he's making good progress with the pulled groin. Um, Carlisle, I would say, has locked down the starting slot position, right? Mm-hmm. But um, Procise, man, he's got a... You know, he had a, a drop, um, I think, against Michigan, right? Mm-hmm. The one first down catch he had early, it was a first down catch, but it wasn't a great route. Um, you know, and stuff like that, like you got to, he's got to stay on top of his game, I think, to keep his spot. Daniels, he's so capable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's got to fit in somehow. Um, but I think Brown is getting his chance to show that he deserves to to be at that level when Daniels comes back, and right now um, they're not seeing it. All right, we'll see if these guys come back. And um, <laughs> you know, I kind of heard something a couple weeks ago that it would take after the bye week, but I mean, there's been a million yeah. rumors. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? I, yeah, and and you don't know <laughs> how much is you know telephone. Right, so five layers down from the original source, maybe. Um, how much? I, I don't know if our universe, our administration is this good at obscuring things, but how much is maybe deliberate, you know, misleading? Right. Not not malicious, just trying to keep people off the trail of what's actually going on. Yeah. Um, for privacy and, and whatever else, but yeah, I I really think that very few people, even on campus, really know what's going on. All right, let's do a happy transition. We're playing Purdue <laughs> this weekend. Purdue yeah. just lost to a MAC team. They lost to Central Michigan. Yeah, got smoked. Saturday at 21 points. Uh, just finished up my uh, preview of that game. We're taping this on Wednesday night. Uh, that preview will go up along with this podcast on Thursday. So the Shamrock Series game in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium. 28.5 point favorite are the Irish. I mean... This has kind of been penciled in as like one of the boring games of the season. Not a very right. fancy uh, Shamrock Series destination. Um, yeah. I mean, what, what do you what do you expect three, three from this game? Three hours down the road. Right. I mean, are you yeah, expecting a major uh, blowout? Yeah, I think so. I think Purdue just has too many question marks. Um, you know, they were one and eleven a year ago. They look like they might actually be worse this year. Um, 
you know, if we look like we've taken a huge stride from last year, um, you know, granted it's only two games in, but um, on both sides of the ball, I think we're going to see a team this year, I get the sense that if finally against overmatched opponents is able to put them away. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, Cause we have a lot of weapons on offense and they're all kind of coming into their own. Um, so I think we'll, we'll be able to jump out to leads against teams like this. I mean, look, you know, the week before central Michigan, they played Western Michigan and even that game they won, but it, they won by nine and they gave up 34 points, you know, so they gave up 34 and 38 to two Mac teams um, at home. Right. So I, I, I think it's going to be, unfortunately for Purdue fans. And uh, I say that as a fan of a lot of losing teams. I, I really do feel for them. <laughs> um, but uh, I think it's going to be over early, and we're going to see a lot of second stringers get some time. Do you think they're going to score 50 points? Uh, I think it's possible. I think, you know, we've seen Kelly willing to keep the pedal down to get to that. You know, we put up 50 twice on Navy, right? Um I think he's going to do what he wants to do through maybe two and a half quarters or so. Right. Call it as if it's normal, and then he'll maybe ease off. And uh, if if we're able to put it up in that time, I don't think he's going to stop. I don't think he's looking to humiliate, you know, like Oregon and put up 80 on somebody. Um, right. But I don't think 50 bothers him. It'd be nice to see Malik Zayer throw a pass this weekend. Yeah, you know, I was saying that on one of the message boards this week. I'd, I'd like to see him get in you know, before full garbage time and run the regular offense, you know. Yeah. Not just handoff or not just run read option, which is great for him to run, but but really run the full offense and do what Golson would do if he were in. Yep. So it kind of does look like Purdue's worse than last year. They only won one game last year. God help them if they don't beat Southern Illinois in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> that and might get, be their shot this year. Yeah, two wins at least. I guess they could yeah. call that progress no matter what, but yeah, I I don't know. I mean, the Big Ten, you know, just is not. Obviously, last weekend was just a bloodbath for the conference. Yeah. Um, but really, it, if they they're a very top-heavy conference, and if the top teams are weak, then uh, it's not going to be a good year for them. Yeah, Purdue dished out a lot of money for Darrell Hazel and. <laughs> Got to wonder yeah. what they're gonna do after two years. Yeah, he's on he's on the hot seat already. You know, it's his second season. Um, so I I don't know. Maybe he can work a miracle. Maybe, you know, I I think they will beat Southern Illinois, but then they Iowa, Illinois, Michigan State. I I don't know. I mean, they could be looking at one and six. Yeah. Uh, you know, one and seven. They play at Minnesota by the time they get to November, and that's just not a good stretch. Yeah, I think I think for them going winless in the Big Ten is kind of one of the the low points. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, they've had obviously they've had an up and down history, right? But they mm-hmm. they have been good at times. Um, most recently with Joe Tiller, you know, of course in the '60s, right? They were a good team. Um, so they they have some expectation of being not awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, I don't I don't know how long they're gonna have patience. Yeah, like many teams, I mean, it kind of comes down to quarterback for them, and they really haven't had that that guy in five or six years at least. Yeah, yeah. It seems like yeah, David Blau, their true freshman, I don't know if I pronounced his name right, but they seem intent on redshirting him, so I have to wait till next year. Mm. Former Elite 11. Maybe that's, uh, 
maybe that's the uh, <laughs> I'm joking here, but the built-in excuse for Hazel. Yeah, maybe the, the, well, the you know, he can dangle for year three. Yeah, I need another year for my quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we saw what happened, what can happen when you throw a true freshman in with Clawson, right? Yeah. Which um, I really think, I mean, 2007 was just a disaster on so many levels. But I think one of the biggest mistakes Charlie made was putting Clawson into that first game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you had Sharpley, who was a respectable caretaker of the offense, and should have just started Sharpley, let Clawson sit, at least for half the season, until he can get acclimated to the game. And, you know, the poor guy was a, a tackling dummy. <laughs> yeah, and, it was bad. Uh, yeah, so, you know, you true freshman on a bad team, I don't, I don't blame him for sitting him to get him a little more development time. All right. 7.30 game again, another night game. Tom Hammond on the call. Uh, <laughs> pretty much the worst news of my week. Yeah, right. I don't know. Maybe they'll have uh, stars on ice at halftime or something. <laughs> they rate his wheelhouse. Uh, yeah. how, many, how many names do you think he's going to mess up? Because he hasn't been reading up on the roster. <laughs> well, you know, I'm trying to think. you got Romeo Aquara, right? We'll go with the exotic names, right? Right. Um, I don't know, Utupo, who... Most of our fan base can't get his name right either. Right. Uh, right. Golson, Golston, we have that, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know. The guy's going to dust off the cobwebs and come out for one more game. It's, <laughs> it's an interesting pick. I guess nobody else was available. But. Yeah, for good old time's sake. Yeah. Uh, All right. I think that's going to wrap up our 37th episode. Anything else before we get out of here? Uh, no, I'm looking... Looking forward to a good weekend, make some good snacks, and kick back in the second half. That's, that's right. it. I'm Eric. That's Brendan. This is the One Foot Down Podcast. We'll be back after the weekend's game against Purdue, and we will see you later. All right. Take care, everyone.